Bridge! Oh, hi there! This is the podcast where we link trashy movies and arty films, and we're here to say they're not too different. You can enjoy both in equal measure. And that's what we do. It is what we do. I remain uh, one of your hosts, Nick, and with me as always is my co-host, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Nick. I just, I live for making you squirm while I introduce. What's he fucking gonna say today? It's always some variation on remaining myself, but yeah. Just checking in. And speaking of identity and one's self in the world, is this a perfect segue? Uh, <laughs> I'll take it, but I won't be happy about it. It's vague enough as to be meaningful. That's uh, what I'm going with. Uh, the sentence is actually... As to be meaningless. <laughs> but we won't get into that. We won't. Instead, we'll get into... There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> Harry Curie from 1962. Harry Curie. Harry Curie. So this will be depressing episode. This is... If you weren't in a downer mood before... Oh boy. Yeah, the news was too hopeful for us these days. So we it's had to just... too good yeah, lately. Really had to cut ourselves down a size. Emphasis on cut. Uh, sorry. That is a perfect segue. <laughs> uh, so, Harakiri. This is a movie that if we're going to come out with a hot take and say one of the best movies of all time is it's very good. So good. So, go watch it. Yep. Um, do your homework and then you get the podcast. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, of course, huge, massive spoilers to follow. There is no way to discuss this without spoiling the hell out of what is a story you shouldn't have spoiled for you. There's a lot of movies you can just be like, oh, I don't care. I, like, I can know the vague outline. That's, and that's very true, actually. Yeah. yeah like, the value of the, the unfolding is in discovery. Yeah. Yep. Which makes it a very rewarding rewatch, as mm-hmm. we discovered this time. It's like when you watch The Sixth Sense for the second time, mm. you know? It's that level of like, uh... Uh-huh, ah, I see. Uh-huh. I see why this uh-huh. was worded this way, very yeah, specifically. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but enough with the vagaries. Let's get into the specificities. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if we actually didn't spoil anything and we just talked knowingly about it yeah. for an hour? It's very... We're tapping our noses uh, at each yeah, other yeah, the whole yeah, time. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> This was de- uh, directed by Ooh. one of the greats, Masaki Kobayashi, uh, and written by one of the greats, Shinobu Hashimoto, and uh, general outline by Yashiko Takiguchi. Uh, and here's where I will say ahead of time, I'm doing my best with the Japanese pronunciations, but they don't <laughs> tend to well, uh, lend themselves well to a maritime or twang. That's so, true. Not a lot of twang. Yeah. In yeah. So I'm You're doing good. Doing That's my best. Yeah. Uh, but here, I'm saying that because here comes a list of names. Uh, <laughs> this is like when they give you a bunch of ammo before a really hard video game portion. <laughs> Just covering your butt. Oh, this is a warning of some kind. Uh, this is starring... One of the greats. These are all... Everybody's great. It's a great movie. Tetsuya Nakade. Uh, we've also got Akira Ishihama, Shima Iwashita, Tetsuro Tamba, Maseo Mishima, Ichiro Nakatani, and Rentaro Mikuni. Rentaro. That's yeah. a great name. Yeah, it is. So these are all, like, for those watching lots of 50s, 60s Japanese movies, every face is recognizable. Mm-hmm. You are going through this and like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. That guy. <laughs> This guy. So. The guy I always think of as, um, oh, oh no. no, it left my brain. It just <laughs> flew away like a little moth the second I tried to, wow, uh, wow, that's what it's like to just have a stroke or yeah. something. Okay, we'll come back to it. For Lots once, Aaron died. I died. Oh, I'm dead now. No, it's okay. I'll, I'll think of it, but just agree. Lots of familiar faces. Mm-hmm. It's a real powerhouse movie, for yes, sure. Yeah. absolutely. So speaking of this movie, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> uh, let's talk about what happens in it. Mm-hmm. So here comes your your, uh, your rundown of the plot. So we're in Edo in 1630, a tumultuous historical time. Uh, Tsugumo Hanshiro arrives at the estate of the E clan and says that he wishes to commit seppuku within the courtyard of the palace. To deter him, Sato Kagyu, uh, that's Rintaro Makuni, uh, he's a, a big old deal. He's the, the daimyo's senior counselor who's kind of taking care of the place while the master's away. Uh, he tells Hanshiro the story of another ronin, Chijiwa Matome, who uh, was formerly of the same clan as Hanshiro. And Hanshiro's oh. just kind of like, oh, that's neat, never heard of this guy. Oh, all right. Uh, Thank you for telling me that bit of information. I had no idea. 
And this is what he tells him, that he uh, basically really relates this story in a very scornful way of uh, the common practice now of Ronan requesting the chance to commit seppuku on the clan's land, hoping that they will be turned away and given a donation of some kind or a job. Uh, the way that it's described, it's it's very much how people discuss poor people today. Where it's like they were just looking for a handout, and then they, yeah, they're starving. Yeah, <laughs> and they then, need a handout. But it's the that language of like, and then I didn't think a second beyond that. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah. The inciting incident being like someone legitimately like a Ronin, an out of work samurai, came to this this other clan yeah. and asked like, my my life is so awful now that my master has fallen and I have no work. Like, may I please commit ritual? like honorable suicide on your grounds and they're like wow this guy's for real we can't he's a real one he's a real one yeah (laughs) props and they we can't lose someone of this this moral integrity let's give him a job yeah and then a bunch of other ronin found out and were like amazing this is how you get a job (laughs) and it's just been happening more and more and so now this clan is fed up they're like we see through this yeah no way you poor people yeah uh, so, uh, yeah, Saito tells Hanshiro that Matome arrived at the palace a few months earlier and, to the word, made the same request as Hanshiro, like, down to, like, yeah. the right tense, the proper nouns, every word for word. Exactly but it's, it's done in flashbacks, so it's not Saito relating this to Hanshiro. Yes. It's, it's we are treated to a flashback of the the former guy. Oh, is it? Chijima? Oh, no, Matome. Chijima, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah making the same request and it's the same shots like yeah. it's shot the exact same way just substitute Hanshiro for that's what I love about the flashback and the movie overall is that there's so much like if I were George Lucas I would say it's like poetry it rhymes oh, boy. Uh, but it's it, yeah very I was gonna say repetitive that makes it sound no there's lots of parallel paralleling that's what story I, yeah thank you for that you're so welcome uh, so Saito is a, and the house are infuriated by the uh, rising number of what they call suicide bluffs, which just sounds like a cliff. Uh, so the three most the three most senior samurai of the clan, uh, Yazaki Hayoto, Kawabe Imenosuke, and Omadaka Hikokuru, they persuade Saito to force Matome to follow through and kill himself. And when they come upon that solution, they realize that Matome has sold his swords and his blades are made of bamboo. So they get extra mad that uh, a samurai would pawn his soul because it's supposed to be like it's tied so to you. The, the samurais, yeah. Sorry. I love how indignant they, they get about it. Oh like, yeah. It has nothing to do with them whatsoever. Like this guy fucking sucks. Like yeah, he was so poor he sold a sword because yeah. of, you can't eat a sword. But can't. Nope. It would hurt. Uh, so the House of yeah, oh my God, House of E forced Matome to disembowel himself with a bamboo blade, making his death slow and agonizingly painful and humiliating. It is the they, most tense thing in the world. It's awful. Ah. You can hear like what really struck me this last rewatch was the creaking of the bamboo. Is mm-hmm. what you hear the most part, and then that's just sort of gently and wetly transitions into the sound of flesh. Yeah, like it's it's ripping. him bluntly smashing the bamboo into his stomach until yeah. it gains purchase. He much. has to try and stab himself about four or five times before it actually. Yeah pierces flesh because again it's a wooden sword and yeah the solution that motome comes up with is he bites off his own tongues so that he will bleed to death rather than have to continue with with the whole thing so right, yeah. rough i can't think of a worse position to be in ever yeah ever yeah so despite this warning uh hanshiro insists that he has never heard of motome and says that he's he is sincere like he's like i don't care i just came here to cut my belly open let's do this thing <laughs> Um, he doesn't say he's never heard of him, though, right? He says there are so um, many people who worked for that same master, it would be impossible for me to know them all. Yeah, he does a lot of, like, I couldn't be expected to know all 12,000 of the yeah. men. Um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of careful wording in that that uh, opening bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of, I came here to die. Mm-hmm. Like, no, mm-hmm. And they keep kind of prodding him, like, are you sure? Are you sure? We'll make you do it. He's like, yeah, we'll make you do it. So he uh, gets through to the courtyard where he's gonna do the deal, do the, the harakiri slash seppuku. So part of the ritual is that you have a second who, like, once you've been through enough of the ritual pain, they will lop your head off just to, like, end it quick, like you've done the 
ritual honorable thing, and away you go. Uh, and Hantro is asked to name the samurai who shall behead him when the ritual is complete. And uh, to the shock of Sato and the E-Retainers, Hanshiro successively names three different samurai, and they are the three who had forced Motome's hand, who had, like, been very powerful. Said, like, we can't let this guy bluff yeah. us into taking our money. We have to get him to kill himself. Yeah. So Hayoto, Imanosuke, and Hokokuru, he names them in succession, and each time they're like, oh, uh, that samurai's too ill today. Hey, messenger, yeah, go to their he house. Called sick today. <laughs> he called him sick He called him to sick weird. samurai work. They send a messenger over to his house, and they come back like, oh, he's actually, he is too sick to make it. He can barely stay in his joints hurt. I couldn't even see him when I went. Yeah, and so Hanshiro's like, okay, well, how about this next samurai? And it feels very, like... It, it feels like the noose tightening. Yeah. <laughs> On the first one, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, weird, okay. He seems like he's, like, the head of, like, a big group of the samurai. Like, yeah, he's a big deal. Yeah, the first second he asked for is, yeah. is like, the master swordsman of the clan. Like, it yeah. makes sense that, you know, he would ask for that guy. And even the second to second, they're like, oh, him. Uh, okay. Okay, right. sure. And by the third one, they're like, this is fucked How up. How do you know who these people are? Yeah. I just love, like, they had sick days back then. Even. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. They had more sick days. They Sick in days. Fucking Edo, Japan, than we do in Ontario now. <laughs> Good shit. I'm going to kill myself after this one. Right. Uh, the E clan fully see this as like, okay, something weird is going on there. And Hanshiro goes into a big, huge monologue about, like, oh, you see, this is just proof that this samurai uh, honor is a facade. Bushido doesn't exist. This is just an excuse yeah, for he, stuff. He gives a real like, well, while we wait for the messenger to get back, let me tell you why I'm here. Let me tell you yeah. about a samurai I used to know. <laughs> and he uh, goes into his life story, starting off with, oh, what was the name of that samurai that you made kill himself? Matome Chijua? Yeah, he is a man of some acquaintance to me. And he repeats it two or three times. and Yeah, just kind of vaguely to himself. Uh, and Nakade has so many like insane laughs in this, like yeah. blood curdling. The first time he starts like chuckling a little bit to himself, you're like, oh no, do I have this wrong? Is he the bad guy? Is he guy? the Joker? Yeah. <laughs> Am I watching the Joker? Uh, yeah. He's it's... very scary. Like, he's a yeah. scary man. Yeah. And he's got these really, like, nothing to lose dead eyes mm -hmm. for a lot of this. They're just. Ugh. Very creepy. So he goes through how in 1619 his clan was abolished by the Shogun, which was a pretty standard thing going on with yeah. the smaller clans at the time, uh, which created more and more Ronin. But Hanshiro's closest friend, Jin, commits Harikiri to save Hanshiro from having to do so himself, and Hanshiro then became responsible for Jin's teenage son, Matome. So right off the bat, we're like, oh, uh -oh. okay. Okay, so uh, this guy is your adopted son. Yeah, neat, cool. okay. <laughs> in order to support Matome and his own daughter, uh, Miho, Hanshiro rented a hovel in the slums of Edo, taking up work as a fan and umbrella craftsman, while Matome became a teacher. And realizing that the love between Matome and Miho uh, is real. Hanshiro arranges for them to be married, and through this he refuses, like, things... Uh, a lord wants to marry Miho, and he, like, Hanshiro would have been set for life, and he's just like, no, no good. This is... Yeah, my daughter's not gonna be a concubine yeah. just to get me money. Yeah, that's no good. But soon after they have a son, Kingo, and we go through, like, the most heartbreaking stuff in the world where everybody is so happy, and you're like, ah, you damn movie, everyone's so sad to start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did we get back here? Yeah, and how we got back here was Miho became very ill with tuberculosis and Matome could not bear the thought of losing her and did everything he could to raise money for a doctor, but Kingo also falls ill. And uh, at this point, Matome has real resolution in his eyes and he uh, leaves one morning saying he's planning to take out a loan from a moneylender, but he's lying. Uh, because later that evening, uh, the three named samurais bring home Matome's mutilated body this is after the after yeah, the uh, yeah incident. the bambooing, and a few days later, like, oh, then they're super rude about it. They are horrifying about it. Like it's it's yeah, just so dismissive of like they bring home through. this this yeah. guy's body, like your son, and like this woman's husband, the father of the child who's crying in the next room, and they're like, we thought you'd want this back, bury him quick, so like no one ever finds out that he killed himself so dishonorably, and yeah. they toss his blades uh. down just on his face, on the corpse's face, and I, I like, I stopped being able to hear for a second because I was so angry. Yeah, like 
it's impossible. Like, oh, it's just so well constructed. I, this is where I could just go on with superlatives and superlatives yeah. forever. It is just, yeah. Yeah. It's where you're like, oh, these people are going to die. Yeah, and die they do. A few days, well, not them. A few days later, Kingo dies, and uh, Miho losing the will to live and also having tuberculosis also passes away, leaving Hanchiro with nothing, which he repeats quite a few times. Like, I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to live for. That's why I'm here. What do you think I'm going to do? Like, leave here? No, yeah. I came here to die. I don't have I'm anything. I'm 60. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to you, I do not have anything. So he uh, wraps up his story and he explains that his sole desire is to join his family in death. He explains, however, that they have every right to ask whether justice has been exacted for their deaths. Therefore, Hanjiro asks Seto if he has any statement of regret to convey to Motome, Miho, and Kingo. And if uh, he explains that uh, if Saito does so, like basically if Saito manages to say I was wrong or apologizes, Hanjiro will just harakiri himself right there on the spot and we'll all be done. And he wanted yeah, classic, classic powerful rich guy move. Saito refuses to do so, saying that he's right, calling Motome an extortionist who deserved to die. Hanjiro then reveals the last part of his story. Uh, and this is just, like up until now, you're like, oh yeah, I see where this is going. And this is the yeah, just chef's kiss. Yeah. Uh, Hanjiro reveals the last part of his story, which is that before coming to the E-State, he uh, did a little sightseeing around town. He tracked down... Uh, Hayato and Imunosuke and cut off their top knots, which is at this time a fate worse than death. Yeah, like it's it's what identifies you as a samurai. It's what identifies you as an honorable man. Yeah, it, it, well, it's basically the equivalent of saying like I can't fight, and also I wasn't good enough to be killed, and also I'm not good enough to kill myself. Yeah. Like it's all wrapped up in this like, oh my god, like, <laughs> his hair is so important, and. He, <laughs> Hanjiro just throws out the top nuts, and it's just one of the sickest, like, ooh, gotcha. He says, like, I have labeled them with your names so that they don't get mixed up. Like, yeah, he's put little tags on little them tags. to see which samurai it belongs Yeah, uh, and then uh, we come to Hokokuru, who comes to visit Hanjiro at his hovel and with great respect challenges him to a duel, uh, which is one of the just, like, coolest set pieces of all time. It's so great. They, like, they march together through a graveyard. They're on this windy plain. They have yeah. to go. It feels very much like they are, like, ascending into heaven or whatever. They go through this windy bamboo mm. forest. Yeah. It's, like, oh, gently yeah. swaying it's trees and mist. It feels like such a mythical otherworldly yeah. setting, which, like, during shooting, they were just, like, sitting there for days to be like, we need it to be windier. When is the, yeah. When is it going to be windy? <laughs> yeah. And then they fight on this hilltop. It's yeah. Beautiful. And Hokokuru gets the worst of it. He gets double disgraced. He gets his sword broken and his top knot taken. That's right. Just a double baddie. Uh, yeah. So Hanjiro lays out the top knots, and uh, he then just starts laying into the E clan, saying that if the men he humiliated were true samurai, they wouldn't be at home lying about being sick. They would already have killed themselves. Like, you're. I'm driving home the point that like you said that Bushido wasn't a lie. It clearly is. I've just yep. proven it to you. You. You enforced this honor thing on, like, the people who couldn't who couldn't even be honest about their disgrace are saying that a total stranger they don't know is so disgraceful that he should kill himself in the worst way possible. Yeah, uh, it's great. And we get some good, some good Nakate, uh, like, cackling in there, yeah. too. It's great. Yeah, he has lost it. So, uh, Seito has lost face very badly and is just wrong. There is no way about yeah, that. Yeah, he's not going to die. So he calls Hantro a madman and orders the retainers to kill them. Uh, and so a fierce battle ensues. Hanchiro kills four samurai, wounds eight, and contemptuously smashes into pieces an antique suit of armor, which is very clearly there to symbolize the, uh, the glorious history of the House of E. And then finally, the clan corners Hanchiro, prepares to kill him not with swords, but with guns, which is a big... Uh, it's rep It's the nuclear option. Like, it's, it's so ungentlemanly. But it's also admitting defeat. Like, it's saying, we yeah. can't actually fight we you. We couldn't kill him with a sword. Yeah. With, like, the weapon that our clan is known for wielding. Yeah, and he won't let them, he won't let them have the, the satisfaction. He harakiris on the spot. You can't, you aren't even nope. allowed to shoot me. Terrified that the E-Clan will be abolished if word gets out that a half-starved Ronin killed so many of their retainers and disgraced the rest, uh, Sato announces that all of the deaths were actually uh, due to illness. He won't go into detail. Nope. Just sudden illness, like, stabbed them in the heart and killed these guys. <laughs> like, uh, bury the bodies immediately so no one else finds out. Yeah, it's the exact thing with Matome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, sandals on the other foot now. 
and at the same time, a messenger returns reporting that Hikokuro was the only person who stood by his word. He has killed himself, but uh, the other two are both just faking it. So Seito angrily orders that Heito and Imanosuke are to be forced to commit seppuku at sword point, at gunpoint, basically. Uh, and the suit of armor is cleaned, re-erected, and a new entry in the official records of the House of E is read through voiceover to wrap us up as we were opened up at the top of the movie. Uh, Hanshiro is declared to have been mentally unstable, and uh, he and Matome are both listed as having died through honorable harakiri. So just, we go out on, like, literally them wiping, like, sweeping Rewriting. stuff under the rug. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the official record for the for the day is basically, like, a samurai came, we allowed him to kill himself honorably, um, no other business. Yeah, and then the top knots get thrown in the garbage, and that's kind of it. And the history that, that you might not know if you don't grow up with historical Japan is that this clan gets, like, decimated. Uh, not immediately or anything, but like, they're just one of the villains of history. <laughs> so it's... Brutes! Yeah. Brutal, Wait, so. okay, well, maybe we'll go into it, but yeah. I feel like they lasted into the 40s, right? Into Do I have 40s? that right? Yeah, yeah, they, they lasted quite a long time. Okay, but right. they're but looked... through, like, back dealings and, like, shady shit. Yeah, yeah, like, they're looked back on as, uh, like, it's, uh, when I read about it, it's really, um, uh, who are the... Tudors? Is that who it is? The people that were popes and really bad? Uh, the, possibly? Yeah. The Italians? Yeah. I don't know. But like the Tudor family, that it's very much like, oh, they oh, the were... the Borgias? In, yeah, that's what yeah, yeah, the yeah, Borgias, yeah. yeah. Okay. Where it's very much like, oh, they were the Pope and they had yeah. all the money and they were great. Like, yeah, but if you read history books, you're like, they were they the worst villains of history. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So very much that kind of thing. Nice. So I feel like I took much longer to go into that one this time around, but it's because I love it so much. It's and it's so great. It is, to me... When judging it on its own terms, it is a perfect movie. Just yeah, I don't, I don't think clothes. you could, you could argue that anything could be improved. Yeah, like it's just this perfect combination of visual storytelling, and you, we were saying it's such a good rewatch. You go back and rewatch it, and you see the dead, angry eyes of Nakade at the beginning, and how he yeah. starts to like cut out of himself throughout. Yeah, and he starts to like come alive. This like, oh, his justice is getting close. Yeah, he, you can tell what, what, when. Saito is kind of relating this story of, like, the samurai who just came a few months earlier and had to kill himself. Mm. You can tell when he has to, like, take a moment and, like, collect himself before he replies to this story. Yeah, like, his replies are just, like, a second or two too late, and he has to start with a, like, oh. I see. Yeah. (laughs) That's very interesting. And, like, it does just kind of look like he's depressed and wants to kill himself. So it works in this, yeah. twig to it at all, yeah. Which works as the not necessarily the theme of it, but, like, one of the thematic things of, like, oh, the rich and powerful won't notice what you're That's true. Doing. They like, have a view of how the world should be, and... And he fits into their world of, like, oh, he's a starving ronin, just like all these other people asking for handouts. Yeah. Uh, it's great shit. Highly recommend. Super recommend. Uh, especially, yeah, if you just want to, like, look at the world and be like, yeah, it does suck. <laughs> Confirmed. Confirmed. It always sucks. sucks. <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, what... What do I need to know about this movie? Tell well, me some fun facts. Give I, me something fun. I this? will. I didn't focus on a lot of the history this time around because okay. it is so mammoth. Yeah. That, like, yeah. I recommend you read it on your own time because it is very interesting. But it is one of the like, I. This is why this movie is so perfect to me. I think you can watch this and have a. You can know the history at that time if you just watch it. And you're like, I trust what the vision of this is to be truthful. You can watch it and be like, yes, that's accurate. Yeah, it's accurate. Like, yeah. there were, there were, uh, this was the beginning of just, like, a huge wave of Ronin right. getting dumped into, into Edo and the, and the cities because of the shogun slowly asserting authority over the entire country. Right. Just so, wiping out clans, like, yeah. consolidating power and... Like, one thing they, they offhandedly mentioned, this is one of those things of, like, those raised with Japanese history of the time will probably know this. But the reason that um, Hanshiro's clan is destroyed is because they repaired the palace in Edo without telling anybody. That's illegal. Everybody killed themselves. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
They repaired a castle yeah. without telling anyone. Because it's it's one of these things of like, no, that's a holy place. You can't touch that. Oh. There's some offhanded reference when the earliest flashback that we get where like Matame's oh. like 15 and uh, Nakade is shooting a longbow and looking like a champ doing it. Yeah. Um, they're talking about like, oh, we're just here to count bricks. Right, 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 right. That's what they're okay. referring to. Yeah. yeah. Some kind of construction dealy. It does still like, I get, yeah, okay, it's a holy place and you can't, mm. you can't mess with it. That's like a heritage building. Yeah. But it does kind of feel like they were looking for an excuse. It's to exactly like... what it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. The shogun right. is finding any excuse to wipe out clans so that sure. they can they can be the one ruling class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which. Damn. Yeah. So with that, like that's it's this thing of like the specifics aren't there, mm. but there is such a like if you are a student of history of any area, you will recognize the authoritarianism, the yeah. power grabs, the the. Thing of that that uh, the E clan does where it's like oh well we're right because we have martial prowess well even if we don't have martial prowess the Ronin are in the wrong because they're half starred yeah. shut up and die like yeah. that's their last <laughs> like yeah there's no like well it's it's not it's not wrong what I'm doing isn't wrong like well even yeah. if it was wrong like I'm doing it for the right reasons well I'm not doing it for the right reasons but I should be able to do it anyway. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it's this thing of like as soon as you are proved right, like you can't reason with somebody. Yeah. Because like they're not gonna give up power because it's you made not. a good point. Yeah. And like there is a lot of like they can't do that. Yeah. Like oh they actually don't care that they can't. Oh do not that. at all. And like Huntro, to his credit, he's not like some dumb idealist. Uh, I'm a dumb idealist, so that's me projecting <laughs> on myself. But Huntro is coming in here to be like oh I'm not gonna convince them. I'm going to give no, them the opportunity yeah. to apologize. I am here to die. Yeah. yeah. Rough stuff. So, here's some non-historical, well, mildly historical. One thing that, like, I, a white man, didn't know, (laughs) like, didn't, wasn't super firm on, like, there's harakiri and there's seppuku. And it's like, okay, what is, it's the same thing. Harakiri is the the verb version of, like, it's the description of the act that you're doing, but Uh. it's how, like commoners would refer to it and seppuku is the ritual and like if you're writing it down in histories okay. you say seppuku if you're just like shooting the shit you're like oh yeah he committed harry Curry, my okay. old buddy like that's it's considered very crude oh, okay. so it's one of these things that like uh, kobayashi said that the title harakiri is a comment as well like there's a reason it's sure. called harakiri and not seppuku it's meant to be very like oh my god you can't put that on a movie poster but uh, here's where i get in over my head my understanding is in the kanji you can read it virtually as either so like it's one of these things of sure. in the translation it comes through as harakiri if you're reading it in japanese you could really be seeing it as either okay so that's one of those things that's just for us english people <laughs> It um, uh, pays not to know. <laughs> Another fun thing. All the, this feels like if you've seen um, Kurosawa's Throne of Blood, this will be very up the same alley. Um, all the weapons are real. Nothing is like blunted or anything. These are real swords that cut shit and real spears that stab into shit. Like somebody comes they out. They are throwing spears at him yeah, in the finale. N- Nakade is firing real arrows. Uh, the stab that comes at uh, Nakade's back when he like rolls off of the pedestal for the first mm. time. Yeah, it gets stuck in the wood because it's a real spear that he tried to stab him with. Christ. And so, like, it makes a lot more sense where I feel this way about a lot of the 60s uh, Japanese uh, samurai movies are very, like, when you look at the choreography, like, it can look very cool and ballet-like and Mm. very choreographed, but it doesn't look, like, everybody looks scared. Like, nobody is smooth. No one wants to be there. Like, yeah, Nakade, he said, like, I am scared of what's happening. Like, that's real fear in his eyes. Yeah, someone could even just accidentally kill me today. Yeah, and, be, and people were being like, it's okay, Tetsuya, like, we, these are real choreographers who know what they're doing, they yeah. do this for a living, he's like, I don't care, I might die. <laughs> My spinal column doesn't know that. You're going to hurt me. <laughs> God damn. It does have that real, like, the, you know, a bunch of people milling around. <laughs> it's it's so funny because it, it does kind of exude that cheesy kung fu energy of like there's Mm. 20 guys circling him and they're just attacking him one at a time but it really it it has that sense you get the the sense that each of the 20 people is like well a someone someone else is gonna kill him right and b like there's no way any of us are gonna die so why bother attacking like we outnumber him he's got no chance Oh, I don't need to go in and like... You want to know my super... This is me reading way too far into oh, what was it. clearly... That's just the style of how you shot stuff back then. 
I like this as a thematic thing of the samurai of the E clan are all so ingrained in their like honorable fight duel thing mm. that they legitimately don't understand how to fight one guy when there's like 30 of us. They're <laughs> yeah, just like, fair. no, you either do one-on-one duels or you do like 300 on 300. And also it's been, we've been at peace for long enough that none of That's them know how to true. fight really. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. they're just like, I don't know. Like, it, you know, if you're in a melee, you're as likely to hit the guy next to you on yeah. your team than you are to hit your your target. It's like, that, it, going back to the Kung Fu 80s things, there's that rule of like, if there's one person on a hundred, the one person is going to win every time because it's just, yeah. it's just a series of one-on-one fights. Yeah. <laughs> With a super-powered bracelet or whatever. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's that's just some context I wanted to add in there. Um, I like... I just got a little Kobayashi quote, which I feel like sums up... If you've watched any other Kobayashis, this is just... What other... What else has he done? He's the human condition guy, uh, so that's nine hours oh, of it, yeah. big old drama. Right. on is the other big one. Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, but... And this is why I like his movies. Quote, all of my pictures are concerned with resisting an entrenched power, which is just mm. like, he is just the anti-authority guy, which is just great. <laughs> <laughs> what a champ. Uh, I mentioned okay. off the top that uh, Shinobu Hashimoto was one of the most prolific writers at the time. Yes. Uh, that's because he was in uh, Kurosawa's, like, writing group, basically. Oh, the stable. Um, so he was one of the writers for Rashomon, Seven Samurai, oh, God. Uh, Ikaru, Hidden Fortress. For some reason, I wrote Rashomon twice in my uh, bullet list, <gasps> which I feel is just... Throne of Blood, Throne of Blood, Bad Sleep Well. Uh, he also wrote uh, Samurai Rebellion, Sword of Doom. Like, he is just banging him out. The, okay. the greatest, one of the best. Yes. Um, uh, but Harry Carey is one of the few that he was the sole screenplay writer. Like, uh, on virtually all of those that I mentioned, he's working with people. It definitely yeah. feels very, like, you sat down and wrote it all in one go. Like, you yeah. just had to get it out it's in the just, world. It's just, it's such a, to me, the, it, like, obviously the visual stuff is great, and mm-hmm. you're limited in what you can do in the 60s on Japanese uh, film studio budget and all that, but, like, the screenplay is so incredibly tight and perfect that... It's so uh, tight and that it's always incredible to me how long it manages to draw out tension. Mm-hmm. You know, like, things are not over with quickly, I guess, is just the <laughs> theme of this fucking movie. Oof. Ooh. Yeah, man, the, good for him. <laughs> the one thing that I really wanted to drill down into, though, and this is a, the time when I'll mention that... Uh, Aaron and I don't have film backgrounds. We have no. music backgrounds. Yes. Uh, I wanted to talk about the soundtrack. Mm, yes. um, so I sure hope people like hearing about uh, musicians in the 20th century because <laughs> here we go. Uh, Incoming. The soundtrack of this movie is amazing. I love it so much. It's so um, good. It's by uh, composer Toru Takamitsu, who is... Very prolific. Yes, uh, and employed like not exclusively but the instrument that's being used virtually throughout is the biwa and um boy oh boy is Toru takamitsu an interesting guy <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> he uh he did eventually take some music lessons but pretty much self-taught from the ground up oh, wow. it was more of a like master class situation where he'd go and like hang out with this one famous composer for like a week or two and be like oh, okay that's neat i'm gonna go back to my thing okay uh so as a kid, he was drafted into military service and hated it. That comes up a lot in Japanese cinema, <laughs> uh, especially with Kobayashi. That was Kobayashi's mm, I bet. Uh, thing. Uh, as an aside, before I go into Takamitsu too much, Kobayashi was drafted as well in the 40s, and he was constantly offered promotion, and he refused. He said, if I have to be here, I'm going to be a private because I'm, like, one of the people. Like, he was... Good for him, yeah. yeah. Real principled as hell. See, and it's so ironic because those are the people you do want in charge of yeah. shit. And yet, it's never who you get. Nope. So, like happens when you're in the military, uh, Toru got hospitalized a bunch. Uh-huh. Uh, and while he was there, he spent as much time as possible listening to Western music. Oh. Which was his... That's my, like... Fuck you, Japan, for drafting me, and I hate this war. And going to put Brahms on yeah. as loud as physically possible. That will show you. <laughs> uh, but he he purposefully like it wasn't a thing of like oh I feel drawn to this. He was like I need to distance myself as much as possible from Japan's music and identity. Oh, okay, I need to get away from this thing. Uh, and it was in part, and this is uh, like you have to be careful diagnosing after the fact, but like 
he said that he would have flashbacks of oh, war sure. stuff if he heard Japanese, native Japanese oh, music. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, well, yeah, that's pretty clear. Yep, don't want that. Nope. Uh, so after the war, he uh, booted up <laughs> a... <laughs> Uh, uh, an anti-academic multimedia group. Okay. Uh, that Are you ex- trying to say founded? Founded, yes. That's okay. the word I wanted. Thank you so much. Um, but they were all about experimental music, and Ooh. they were one of the early employers of electronic music. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. They weren't the inventors by any means, but the sure. one of these, like, parallel uh, inventing things, he yeah. had the thought of, like, oh, we'll use, like, tubes to, like tie together sounds to like build an organ that and ah. then somebody showed him an existing tube organ he's like yeah that one of those yeah <laughs> i want to do that <laughs> you got it <laughs> nice yeah uh and the, the his collective's idea was we will try and get through as much as many mediums in media as possible that work to break down uh artistic tradition of japan we okay. will break away from it as much as possible. Okay. Uh, not a lot of government funding in that, <laughs> I'm assuming. Not so much. Mm. But he did have champions, such as one Igor Stravinsky, oh, who okay. was a huge fan of his music when uh, he Igor was in Paris at some point, and like you do for big composers of the time. Uh, and I should say, for context, if Stravinsky sounds like a vaguely familiar name, mm. he wrote things like The Rite of Spring, which is a big deal. Uh, in Fantasia 2000, the Firebird is there you go. his music. Yeah. yeah. So he wrote a lot of, uh, yeah, Firebird and Rite of Spring are all around the same time in the 1920s, Early 30s. 1920s, yeah. yeah. Uh, which one of the famous things that people bring up is like, Rite of Spring had like a huge riot about it. It was so crazy that people like threw chairs on stage and <laughs> which started is like, fires and shit. Yeah, that just happened a ton back then. Yeah, they was... loved, yeah. <laughs> People drank like fishes. Yeah. Uh, so Igor was like, he came to visit Paris, and like you do for experimental composers at the time, other composers in the area would be like, have you heard of this person? Here's his music. Have you heard of this person? Here's his music. Sure. Yeah. And Toru Takamitsu's music somehow got in there by accident. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't really meaning to, and like they put it on, and like the person running the listening forum for Igor was like, oh, I don't know what this is. I'm going to turn this off. And Igor was like, no, we're listening to this whole thing because this rules. Don't press that button. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this was a piece called Requiem okay. uh, that uh, uh, Toru wrote in 1957. And this is a recording from 1957. So or, Igor loves it. Uh, and he invites Toru out for lunch, and they, they hang out together and just... And, and Takamitsu was in Paris? Yeah. Oh, okay. He was just hanging out, being bohemian and stuff. Uh, <laughs> Love that for him. They became, like, pen pals and friends. Aww. And uh, Igor goes back to America. He talks to his buddy Aaron Copeland, and the Kusevitsky Foundation starts commissioning works from Toru. Oh, shit. Uh, so the one that they commissioned is called Dorian Horizon, uh, which is right right on, like, the same year that Igor hears this this thing. So, like, really... He's into it. Banging it out, yeah. So, okay. like, this is one of the reasons that Toru gets any international knowledge, like, that people know his name at all. Yeah. Um, right around that time, Toru is listening... Uh, because he needs a paycheck, he is writing music for... Uh, movies. Sure. So he he is relatively prolific in the movies, writing soundtracks. But right around that time, uh, he starts listening to John Cage's music for the first time. Sure. Which, if you don't know John Cage, he's a very very experimental musician of the fifties, sixties, and today. Uh, <laughs> All the hits. Yeah, but uh, if you've ever heard of four minutes and thirty three seconds, which is just silence for that period of time. That's John Cage. That's kind of his style. Yeah. If you've ever heard a joke about experimental music, chances yes. are it was about John Cage. Like, the, the punchline is John Cage something. Yeah. Uh, and this had a huge effect on Toru. He mm. says that it's, like, the biggest effect of, on how he writes music than anything else that he's ever oh, going to wow. do. Down to, like, Cage. how he wrote, like, literally graphical notation instead of staff notation. Sorry, I'm getting in the weeds for music stuff, but I just, it's great. Just, like, totally breaking away from, like, music notes on sheets. Yeah. 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 Uh, so here's a quote from Toru. Uh, I must express my deep and sincere gratitude to John Cage. The reason for this is that in my own life, in my own development, for a long period, I struggled to avoid being, quote, Japanese, uh, to avoid Japanese qualities in general. It was largely through my contact with John Cage that I came to recognize the value of my own tradition of one's own traditions. Mm. So uh-huh. thereafter, he resolved to study all types of traditional Japanese music, paying special attention to the differences between uh, 
the two very different music traditions of like the West and the East, just generally what separates them. He starts learning the biwa, he starts uh, experimenting with what sounds it can make and such, uh, and that's what led him to write Harakiri's soundtrack as it is. Okay. Um, he, Which I love for like, it's just tying together this thing of like, oh, Japanese traditions are bad, uh, but I'm tied to them, I can't separate myself from yeah. them, so I need to express why I... I'm upset with them. Yeah, you know what? He did not let his awful PTSD time in the Japanese army win. Yeah. He didn't let it ruin beautiful traditional Japanese music. Yeah, form. he came back Fuck to it, it and buddy. like, he it's the synthesis of all the stuff he's been learning yeah. from from trying to avoid the Japanese traditions and going into it. But uh, I just think it's neat. After Harakiri, hugely lauded soundtrack, mm-hmm. uh, he gets commissioned from the New York Phil again which gets coupled with uh, Messiaen's Taranga Lila Symphony on LP, Ooh. and that made him a, like, for music oh, nerds I like us. That. Yeah. Oh, We have, like, his music in our house. Yes, and, yes, we do. Yeah. That's what made him, like, a huge deal to uh, music nerds like us who like yeah. that. Who love <laughs> Hello. That <shit. laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Wow, uh, thanks, Stravinsky. Yeah, I know, right? You were a little suspect, but you're all right. <laughs> a little sus, but... Yeah. Yep, it's not all, like... Mid-sus. Like anything, it's it. not all bad, it's not all good, it just all is. There you yeah. go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave it there with Toru because I could go on four days. Thank you for indulging me with just recounting <laughs> parts of... That's a movie life. on its own yeah. where he, like, comes full circle and has to, like, he has PTSD and he has to, like, it physically hurts him to hear the music and then, like, he comes back to it after, like, traveling the globe. And Goddamn, someone make that movie. <laughs> someone make it. That's so cool. Aw. Toru Dekamitsu. He, yeah, his music is rad. I really like his... It's- very cool yeah every movie i've ever heard with his soundtrack is like oh yeah this is awesome yeah like the other big one is ron yeah that he did so that's very big yeah and quite different from harakiri too which really shows you yeah his range is a good range yeah. yeah yeah so that's all i got buddy that's what i wanted to, to tell you about nice i love that all right <laughs> i really do like the um Obviously, I like all the Takamitsu stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I really like the idea that there's two ways to just say the, mm. like, you could say Harakiri or you could say Seppuku, and it, it does, it's just, it's just one final, like, fuck you, <laughs> where you have to say, like, the grosser, yeah. less polite way, and it's even, like, it's, it's ri- I mean, the, the movie poster is just that shape that yeah. your stomach makes when you tear it open and there's blood splatter on it and it's not i don't know i'm saying it and i'm like but it's not it's gross. not gross it's yeah. just upsetting it's presented so starkly that it's not gross i think it's yeah. not meant to be you are not allowed to turn away from like the yeah. base element of it i was gonna say it's not visceral but it is visceral but it's not gross. Yeah, but it it's is not gross. splatter. It's yeah. not like gory. Yeah. You don't, you see some blood. You see like the dramatic, you know, you watch any like Chanbra, like Japanese mm. sword movie and you're going to see blood spray like dramatically, you know? Yeah. But there's no, you don't see guts and you don't. No, you see the pained expressions and yeah, yeah, the yeah. sounds exactly. and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And sweet camera moves. Sweet camera moves. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, I don't have a lot more to say on this movie. What do, what do you got? What, what's your no, big takeaway? No, I just here? I just really like it. I I I, th- I love learning that about like the difference between the the kanji and or the non difference and the how you could read it two different ways. The same the same thing you're looking at. But, yeah. Like, it makes sense to me that he wrote Rashomon and. <laughs> um, yeah, it yeah. feels up there. Feels yep. right. Yeah. Just yeah, the idea that you you can't. Like, your birds are going to come home to roost. Mm-hmm. Birds? Chickens? What birds are chi- Chickens are birds, yeah. Okay. Right. Your birds will come and eat at home. <laughs> come and eat you. <laughs> yeah, no, the idea that there's, you know, you are trying so hard to, like, impose a, a way of looking at something, and mm. sooner or later, someone, like, you might be able to 80% do it, but that 20% is going to hurt you so bad. Like a bamboo sword in your tummy. Uh, right in the tummy. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of upset tummies yeah. in this movie. Uh, Horrible. Tummy <laughs> the tummy ache episode <laughs> sponsored by Tums. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's that's my takeaway is just like, yeah, you might mostly win. The the entrenched establishment, mm. as he says, might might mostly win, but 
you are going to suffer for that 20% yeah. because there's a lot packed into that 20%. I know, yeah. If that, you don't acknowledge it, it's just going to get so much worse. And that 20% holds a lot of your underlings dying <laughs> to keep Yes, power. <laughs> a lot of uh, acceptable casualties mm, really from skyrocket. illness. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. So they all died at the same time. <laughs> and their stomachs all exploded. Don't look at their hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that one the best. I, I do. You got to give it to... Who's the last samurai? Um, the one who actually killed himself? Yeah. Hikokuru, yeah. Hikokuru for, for being like... He is the only one okay. that walks the walk. Yeah. Got to give it up for <laughs> Hikokuru. You do not under <laughs> any circumstances. Yeah, uh, that's that's me takeaway. Cool. Well, I I feel like my shit's pretty obvious from how I talked about this movie, but it's just yeah. I will. I am always left with the intense uh, anti-authority uh, message in there, and I mean, it's the point of the movie. That's so the whole movie. I'm, yeah, I'm watching it. Uh, but it's it really like it does such a good job of showing what a power this has over both the individual and society and history. Like it does this cool. Yeah trifecta of stuff it really it really like drills down of like okay yes this is your this is your mythology and your your you know glorious nobility and and like the ideas and when you drill Mm. down here's how here's what happens to people when you try and make rules and law and society out of that yeah you get to see all of the big picture stuff coming into the small picture and then going back up yeah that's yeah that's very neat. It's very cool. Uh, God, it's such a good movie. It's so good. But yeah, I just feel like it's not too common to have something that is pu- basically purely text. Like, there's no... S- there's imagery, yeah. but there's no subtext. Like, uh, no, Nagata is screaming at the screen you. what the yeah. problems are. <laughs> he doesn't literally just look into camera or, like, essentially into camera yeah. and just go, Bushido is fucked. <laughs> it's fake. Yeah. Uh, but yeah to do that and have it work so well is like i guess that's just really the writing is superb but uh yeah nothing left the imagination i enjoy how cut and dry that is even if it's such an open-ended non-ending ending you know of like sort of yeah yeah. like oh he doesn't win or whatever but it's still yeah that's how it would have gone down yeah that's that's all that's the rest of what i got to say on that so uh now let's uh each use this movie to make a double bill of some type, complete with a marquee title, if we happen to think of one. I have one. I thought I did, and uh, <laughs> let's see if I wrote it down. What happened? Oh, <laughs> your brain is made of Swiss cheese. Yes. As are all of our brains. <laughs> See, I, saw, I, I saw it going wrong, as you're saying. Uh, oh my god. Good yeah, stuff. Okay. It's still it's still so hot in Ontario yeah. where you're at, so blame it on that. <laughs> We're suffering a little bit. It's fine. So take us away with what you would uh, conjoin with this bad boy. All right. I don't care for that, but <laughs> I will. So I'm starting with the premise of like this, this movie and the movie I've chosen have <laughs> the main character, the person who we follow as the sort of actioner of, of the mm. plot are functionally dead men walking. Yeah our friend goes in and, and knows like I'm going, I'm not coming into this alive. Um, yeah. So I just have to draw attention to what happened before I go. Mm. The heroes here, well, heroes is a strong word, but the main <laughs> characters are sort Pro of, tags. yeah, <laughs> they are holding on because they have made, because of a promise made to their family mm. where, you know, Henshiro is, is basically saying, like, I I am here to make sure you say sorry to my family members who you either directly or indirectly killed. And they're sort of, they, they become dead men walking because of the way their society depersonalizes war and mm. doesn't really see people who are casualties of war as, like, as casualties of right. war. It's just a war is happening and people happen to not be coming home. <laughs> Who can say how these are related? You know. Oh well. Oh well. So I am so excited I for am. what you're gonna say. This is you're really building this up. <laughs> Good. Sorry. It's nice to have one for me that aligns so well this time. Of course, I'm speaking about Bob Clark's 1974 anti-Vietnam movie, Dead of Night. Oh. Also known as Death Dream. I'm not really sure what one it was kind of more released under. But oh, that's cool. Isn't that real? <laughs> 
I'm very proud of me this week. Um, <laughs> so if you haven't had uh, haven't seen Death Dream, which is fair, it's it's not really around a lot. Yeah, but um, it opens with an American soldier in Vietnam being dropped by a sniper, and mm. as he's dying, as he's bleeding out, he hears his mother saying like Andy, like a promise that, or you know, a promise that he made to her before he left for Vietnam, saying like she's saying, Andy, you have to come back. You have to. You can't go. You have to come back. Mm. Um, you promised. And then it cuts to Andy's family receiving news, basically, that that their son has been killed in combat. And they have a variety of reactions, of course. The, the father kind of, like, shuts down, and, and the sister and the mother just doesn't doesn't accept it. Yeah. She says, like, no, that's not true. That can't be true be true stop trying to convince us of this blah 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 um and she's very validated when andy later shows up at home in his full outfit and he just acts fucking weird it's he's a fucking very, creep yeah he's very pale and withdrawn and they kind of like oh my god andy like we we thought you died and he says i did and then they just sort of oh ha, 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 ha. Like i they must just, have yeah. they're all so messed up from this bad news and then reversal of bad news and but as time goes on it becomes clear that like he's not okay and that he is suffering a lot and he's been killing people to stay alive he's mm. like a vampire or something a, a zombie cool, vampire yeah it's guy. not really explored but the, mm. the the idea is that he is being struck with the need to kill because of what happened to him mm. in vietnam um and yeah it basically ends with like he ends up uh he ends up disintegrating essentially Pretty like much, he doesn't yeah. get blood in time and he um so he he goes after kind of the doctor that says like you're not right like you need an exam and so he attacks that person and yeah it's like everybody like, that's bringing up the topic pretty much right yeah that that's trying to be yeah. like Andy like what's going on with you you're not right he he ends up attacking mm-hmm. and um, then he he basically goes on one last rampage and stumbles into the local cemetery and falls into. Um, into like his own grave it's so great it's so on the nose yeah. it's so awesome yeah they were they were digging one and he his last act is to like write his own like record his own name and date of birth and date of death on the tombstone yeah. and then fall into it and just basically fall apart and, and actually die and uh and his mom's last line is oh well he came back some boys never come back hmm. and it's kind of just like Oh, <laughs> wait, war might be bad. Oh, no. So it's it's very like, no, I'm going to. Yeah, I died. Like the the bad thing can't be undone. Mm. Um, both movies are, you know, my whole family died or I, I died. <laughs> I'm not going to make it out of this, but yeah. I am here to like stop you from looking away and force you to, record to reckon with my it. name. Yeah. Like, oh. I want that shit written down. It has to exist somewhere. Someone has to recognize what happened. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's Sweet. that's my double bill. Nice. And I have a great line for it because uh, it's direct quote from Death Dream. As he's about to kill the doctor, he Andy is standing over him and he says, "I died for you, Doc. It's time you return the favor, <laughs> or shouldn't you shouldn't you return the favor?" <laughs> so I'm gonna call mine returning the favor. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, Bob Clark. That's the that's a Black Christmas guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of like he did Porky's. I don't know. He oh, did yeah. a lot of like <laughs> non-connected movies. But yeah, he did Black Christmas, which is an excellent horror movie, and I mm-hmm. do really recommend it. It's like a slasher without the shitty parts. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. He did a lot of horror. So. Yeah. And he's a um, Canadian, right? We can claim him. Yes, I believe he is. Yeah. yeah. So to do this like very anti-Vietnam or like not even anti-Vietnam specifically. Again, like you said with with Herrick Heary, it's you're not going like war is heck. You're just <laughs> saying like, okay, yep, war apparently is never going to not happen, but I am not going to allow you to look away from the results of that. Like yeah, when you, you drill you down, to... here's what happens to individual people. Yeah, like the least you can do is is have to engage with the result of your actions. Yeah. <laughs> Which feels like such a vague thing, but it is just like that feels like the root of a human problem. Yeah. No, it's it's this thing of like, well, war is just a thing that happens somewhere mm. else. Like, no, it's actually it has real effects and a lot of them and they're yeah. all bad and here's what happens to you as a person. You mm. are not allowed to look away from that. You're not one person isn't going to stop the war, but yeah. 
here's I want you to have to look at this and reckon with it. Good shit. And a good recommendation, yeah. right? Before we get, we're shortly there before spooky go. season. Yeah. There you go. Big recommend for Death Dream and for, like the movie itself is fine. It's fun. Yeah, it's a fun pulpy time. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this is just, you found a cool premise and yeah. you are just exploring that premise and that's it. Yeah. I think it's literally just based on the, the monkey's paw story. It's, oh, that sounds it's right. literally just like, I wish my boy, like, he promised he would come home. Like, yep, but are you going to want him back? I don't know. <laughs> you didn't say anything about him having to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> He's very gray. I don't know if, anyway. <laughs> so yeah. He just sits in a rocking chair all day. And... <laughs> it's very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they're they're equally as creepy. Um, creepy laugh and creepy eyeballs and fangs. Yeah. Like so that's that. mine. What do you what do you got for this week? What do I got? Well, I'm really still sitting with the like all Harakiri makes me want is like revolution, let's go, yeah, rah rah. <laughs> like obviously that's not the exact point of the movie, but it's the feeling that I'm left with. I get it. Yeah. Like it really does just it, it feels like it's drawing this very perfect line between like, here's what the nobility thinks hap- is happening, here's what is actually happening yeah. to the majority of the population. Here's like, what happens when you make those decisions. Yeah. yeah, and those people don't get a voice. They don't get. Yes. T- they don't get to be treated like they exist, really. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, and kind of same idea of a promise made to family, or or feeling like ob- obligated towards family in a specific way. Sure. I am, of course, going to pair this with <laughs> 1972's Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> so here's what I'm here's what I'm thinking so Conquest of the Plane of the Apes if you don't know now you know now you know it is the fourth in the original Plane of the Apes oh. franchise which just for seeing what what you can do with throwing apes in front of a camera yeah. it's worth watching all five of those original movies that's true there is a range in there. Uh, <laughs> they go, there's no way to categorize these in one category yeah. other than the word ape. That's it. <laughs> it's the only thing they all have in common. So just to say, uh, I will assume that most might not know the setup of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Because uh, even seeing as it written, is written down, it's insane. Uh, so cats and dogs have all been killed off by a time-traveling plague from the future. And intelligent apes uh, have taken... That's the premise of the movie. That's before, like, that's... That's before you see an ape. Yeah, yeah. And intelligent apes have taken the place of the house pet and now exist as a servant class that they're, like, semi-intelligent. They're not, like, original Planet of the Apes intelligent, but they're smarter than your regular ape. Like, they can mm-hmm. understand verbal commands and... Yeah, uh, they bring you your food and they, yeah, yeah. deliver groceries. Uh, Ricardo Montalban runs a circus, uh, <laughs> and he is the father figure of Caesar, a product of hyper-intelligent apes from the future. Uh, it's a product of son of intelligent apes Technically from the future. Technically true, but weird. And uh, so he's the only fully intelligent ape that we really meet, uh, and he don't want to be nobody's servant. Uh, so that's the basic setup. And if... If that sounds like a movie you'd want to watch, you'll have fun watching this movie. If that sounds terrible, do not watch this movie. Don't do that. You're not going to have fun. (laughs) But engage with it on its own terms. Here is a movie about revolution from the ape's perspective. Sure. There you go. Um, But the reason I'm pairing it with Harakiri, it isn't just for laughs, but it's for that too, uh, is that to me they are both about the system exploiting a group of people, uh, or apes, uh, in Harry Kiri, it's the Ronin, it's the the unemployed, it's it's the people that you throw to the wayside when you have no use of them. They are tools. They are That's tools, true. exactly. Yeah. And also the apes, they are tools. They're being used to be servants and slaves. It's, yeah. There's they're just machinery. And Congress of the Planet of the Apes is just like uh, so on the nose of like, yeah, you can't you can't think the humans are doing good here. Like it's no. they go out of their way to show the abuse of the apes that like yeah. It was almost extreme enough that it got an R rating. They've got it toned down to PG right? Uh, by cutting a few things. But, like, the abuse is still in there. It's, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's very obvious. And it's also treating this class of people as invisible, that they don't matter, that they can, that you can just talk over them, like, yeah. just drown yeah. them out. Um, and the, that the people in power will do that at any cost. Uh, in both, they start out, uh, both of our heroes start out passively resisting the system. So Caesar's 
comes across as a petulant teen, pretty much. That's like, this is... Look I don't want to do my chores. And Ricardo Montalban's like, be a good ape. So, it's, it makes it's no so sense weird. that he's here. <laughs> it's so oh. funny. Uh, and uh, Hanshiro, um refuses to farm out his daughter as a concubine. And he's not, like, he's not coming out and saying, the system is bad. There's a discussion about, like... Hey, Hanshiro, this is how it works. This is what yeah. you're supposed to want. This is suppo- yeah, this yeah. is supposed to happen so that you can move up in the world and then in turn like take yeah. someone else's daughter as a or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And Hanshiro has been burned by the system combined with that and wanting what is actually best for his daughter, what yeah. would make her daughter the, his daughter the most happy. He refuses. He he disengages. Uh, but then our hero's families and the family's lives are put on the line. Uh, and destroyed by the system in place specifically in the authorities in power. Uh, and so Caesar and Hanshiro want justice. They go out there for justice. What that looks like is different. <laughs> in Harakiri, <laughs> yes. uh, Hanshiro uses the system itself to repudiate the existing power dynamics, like this, yeah. that, that verbal chess he's got going on. Uh, and in Conquest, Caesar exploits humans' belief in themselves as indomitable to start a revolution. For sure. A yeah. very yeah. bloody revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, but in both, it's it's the power holder's blind assumption that uh, they feel like they're right at any cost that proves yeah. to be... that That's what is proving them wrong. That it's this, you know, Ouroboros yeah. They can't deal. change. They are they are falling into their own trap. Yeah, and they can't even confront the idea that their core argument is wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Nice. That's my combo. That's such a... It, it is such... The, the parallel of, like, the apes role and the samurai's role is so perfect. Like, they are considered yeah. tools. Yeah. They are just, And they're like, owned by a household. Yeah. Like, it's very... Yeah. Like, once the master goes, you either kill yourself because you're so tied to them like your identity is so tied to the house or you just wander the wilderness broken like hoping to get picked up yeah yeah yeah. You don't exist as a person unless you're being used for, for labor. And that's your worth. Like that's literally yes. the only way that you have worth. Yeah. You do not exist outside of that. Yeah. yeah. God yeah. damn. That's good. So you gotta watch Harakiri first because <laughs> that'll put you in a pit of despair. And then you watch Conquest of the Planet of the Apes because by the end you're screaming hell yeah and fist <laughs> yeah. pumping and shit's on fire. There yeah. are horses. Do I remember that correctly? Oh, yeah, there's always, police? yeah. There's always the horses around. That's good stuff. Big conquest spoilers if you're which I would prefer the original oh. ending. The original ending of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is a bunch of apes beating the governor to death. Yeah, like they <laughs> they assemble, you know, they all rise up all over town and they all meet in the like the town square or whatever. Yeah. And they've captured this guy and they just punch him to death. Yeah, with, like with tall. rifle butts and their hands. And their huge gorilla hands, uh, yeah. And then the studio was like, oh, you can't do that. So we're not going to film that. Uh, oh, they filmed it. No, They're, that's it right, exists. they did, that's right. Uh, and the, the so, better ending is that like Caesar's hand is stayed by... Uh, Caesar knows yeah. mercy. So he, he I guess it, it gets read as like he can perpetuate the... The power dynamic by unseating the people in power and like there's yeah. another good metaphor for you that that's like true. totally true yep cycle that, of violence no good yeah exact yeah that's so true so both endings work in my in my estimation nice um but it's a crazy movie <laughs> <laughs> of a set of crazy movies yeah there's yeah. a lot that 1970 to 72 five movies of planet of the apes there's this so much shit going on One of in there. Them, they discover it was the Earth the whole time. The <laughs> next movie, they find psychic mutants and blow up the Earth. Yeah, the Earth is fully destroyed. Yeah, the one after that, apes go on a shopping spree. Uh, yeah, in New York downtown, and they get super drunk. Yeah, the apes get drunk. Yeah, in the fourth one, there's like an uncomfortably obvious class war. Yeah, slavery yeah. deal going on. And the last one is the most it's so, farmed out. Yeah. Uh, it's it just like... Feel, it feels like LARPing. Like they're just yeah. running around in a field wearing the same ape Ape mask. LARP. Ape LARP. LARP. Nope. I'll work on that and come back. Yeah. Good choices. Thank you. Yeah. Good recommend. I have no no name for mine, so I... I uh, the ape with no name. That's no, what we're going to call it. Yeah. Nope, that's no Nothing good. to lose with their chains. Oh. There you go. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you for that. Nothing <laughs> to lose but their chains. Yeah. I'm on it this week. I got you. Nice. Okay. Well, that'll about do us for another uh, another round episode of Gartbidge here. Mm-hmm. 
you can find us at Garbage Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Aaron, where can people find you? Uh, if they want to see mostly animal stuff, they can. Uh, that means cute pictures <laughs> and. Not Planet of the Apes. Like, <laughs> well, there's some Planet of the Apes. Um, they can find me at Macklebase on Twitter. M-A-C-L-E-B-A-S-S. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And yeah. I hope you do get to watch these movies. They're really good. Don't let black and white and in Japanese deter you. Yeah. Harakiri is fantastic. It is. It is. There's a reason it's considered one of the best. Yep. Yep. One of the best. And we have... I just I'm thinking about like How and we have tied it to Death Dream and Conquest of the Flight of the Apes. Mm, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Kamayashi. We couldn't there's no better movies, so I we mean, had to choose worse ones. <laughs> it just elevates the other movies there you is go. what it does. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and you can find me at Dick R. Navis, D-I-C-K-R Navis on Twitter. Please rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. We would love for more people to find the show. And uh, you can join us next time for another pile of garbage. Thanks, y'all.